this is Michael Melfi, and welcome to the Be Investable podcast, a series where I speak with innovative individuals who share their insights about what it means to be investable. Today on the show, we have Dave Meltzer, the CEO of Sports One Marketing, a firm which he co-founded with Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon. Well, Dave, welcome to the show. I'm very enthusiastic, as I was just sharing with you offline, to have you on today. Thanks for joining us on the Be Investable podcast. Oh, my, my privilege. Thank you. And, you know, as we were, we were talking about when I was preparing to talk with you today, there's a lot of great things we're going to talk about here on this podcast. I felt inclined to dive right into this unstoppable foundation. When I hear and read about uh, everything that Sports One Marketing does and Super Bowls and the Masters and Pro, For- Pro Football Hall of Fame, there's this thing called the Unstoppable Foundation. So we started doing some research and came across everything you're doing there. And I, I would just love you to share a little bit about that, that kind of humanitarian aspect of what you do day to day. Sure. Everything that I do has to have a charitable component. That's how Warren Moon, my business partner, and I came up with the philosophy of making a lot of money so we could help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. Unstoppable Foundation uh, has five pillars. You know, we give uh, water, empower people to learn how to get uh, good water, uh, financial literacy, healthcare, education, uh, all in Africa and India. And uh, my belief is we need to make sure that not only do we take care of people on our own borders, which we do with scholarship money, but also outside our borders, the more stability and education and health that we have, the better it is for everyone. And so two years ago, uh, Warren and I raised money for our own village that we built. And now uh, I'm the chairman of the Unstoppable Foundation, and we've impacted 75,000 people around the world. And I thought it was time to have a leadership and empowerment center so for my 50th birthday, instead of buying a new Ferrari, I decided I'd help raise uh, over a million dollars uh, to give a leadership and empowerment center to those 75,000 people that we've impacted. That, that is unbelievably and amazing. I love that. And you guys have, I believe, a gala coming up here in March, correct? Yeah, March 24th, we have the Unstoppable Gala. It's our 10th anniversary, and it's at the Beverly Hills Hilton, and it's a it's amazing, amazing event with the who's who. The cool thing is it's the most eclectic event that you'll ever go to. You'll have Bob Proctor and, you know, Jack Canfield and John Gray. Uh, and then you have Marcellus Wiley, Steve Steele. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> it's an awesome group of people. And the cool thing is they all know about each other and they're each other's fans. So it's really cool to see them there. That is great. That is great. Well, for our listeners, whoever can make it out, they should definitely get out to that. Now, you know, as, I, as we were talking, you, you do a lot of great things and have, have done a lot of great things with your career, and, and a lot of the people who will be listening are entrepreneurs, and so it's always great to talk about successes. I want to ask you about some challenges. Was there a moment over your career that really was like that moment that was most challenging, and if so, what did you learn from that? Yeah, absolutely. So I retired in my 30s. I was blessed uh, and uh, made a lot of money uh, in technology, and uh I surrounded myself with the wrong people and the wrong ideas and I lost four key values uh, and I went bankrupt. I lost over a hundred million dollars on paper. Uh, I owned a golf course and a ski mountain and multiple properties, but I lost my gratitude, which gave me perspective of the past, the present, and even making my future even brighter. Uh, I lost perspective with the value of empathy, which is forgiveness. Uh, I had to learn again to forgive myself and know that I wasn't perfect so I could forgive others. Uh, accountability. Um, the two things my mom always taught me about being accountable was one, that I attracted everything to myself and 
I just had to learn from it. Those were the two things I needed. And then three, effective communication. I was extremely good at communicating and connecting to others, but I wasn't connecting to that which inspired me. I wasn't on a consistent, persistent pursuit of my potential. And once I regained those values, making money was no problem and shifting the paradigm to wake up every morning and to pray that God puts 10 people in front of me that I can help to shift the paradigm of value so that I'm constantly of service. And it doesn't mean that I sit around, you know, high on my mom's couch. I am a capitalist. I believe in creating wealth and sharing it. And it's a different philosophy. I uh, have shifted that paradigm where I am completely of service uh, so that I can make money, help people and have fun. And, and it's interesting you talk a little about that. you got a couple books out, and one that really struck my eye when I was doing a little research was The Compassionate Capitalism. And it's really, you know, when you think of the word capitalism, we probably don't have some of the connotations. You, you know, you talk about how important it is to have happiness in that process. Share a little bit about that book. That yeah, so compass- yeah, so uh, Compassionate Capitalism is challenging the entrepreneur, the capitalist, to not just generate wealth uh, for themselves, but to think beyond how your innovations and entrepreneurship can create social change and affect that social change. And one of the key components to it is the idea of attaching happiness to an outcome. And so many people, including myself, I did that at a young age, you know, when I graduate law school, I'll be happy, which I'm sure you identify with. And when I get married, I'll be happy. When I have kids, I'll be happy. And what happens is you're pursuing something that never comes. When we can learn to be happy by enjoying the consistent, persistent pursuit of our potential, when we pick out and prioritize certain things that we want to be great at and we enjoy that pursuit, that's where happiness is derived, not only at the beginning, which is easy, not only at the end, which is even easier, but throughout the entire process, enjoying the pursuit of our potential. And that's really been a key difference in the way that I go about things and it has helped me accelerate uh, my success. So I, I can't help but, but think about, so you, you start out in Akron, Ohio, you have all this success, you have this life-changing event, and, and you find this kind of, this new kind of way of looking at things. How, how do you keep it going? How do, you, how do you keep inspiring those around you to keep that same mentality and that same attitude? Wow, it's uh, this consistent and persistent part, right? So, right. Um, it has to be an everyday thing. What I, what I have found is that, uh, you know, by utilizing the idea of doing something every day, I believe the universe works in 24, uh, on this vibration, conscious vibration, it works in 24-hour periods. That's why the sun goes down and the moon comes out. And if we can do uh, things every single day consistently with persistence, it changes our cellular structure. There's a memory in our cells. It also creates neural pathways in our mind that creates efficiencies, effectiveness, and statistical success. And then that creates and changes our DNA, our actual energy, our, our, what I call our God code. You know, and when we do that, it, it's the reason that we're able to effectively attract what we want without thinking, believing, or acting. We can actually hold that sense of energy and power in order to get what we want. So, as, as a, so you're a successful entrepreneur, humanitarian, author, speaker, so many, so many things that you do, you, you start to surround yourself with great people. How do you keep them motivated? Or is there a, a system or a process? or what, 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 allow, what allows you to keep them motivated to see the same passion you have for life? You know, uh, what, what happens is uh, I have a philosophy is by elevating others, you elevate yourself. So my main goal is to elevate others and to provide value. And by doing so and trusting the universe 
um, I actually elevate myself. And so I spend the majority of my time training, business coaching, helping other people get what they want out of life. That's great. And, and you do some of that through keynote speaking, right? So you've done it yeah. all over the world. Yeah. I think it's Forbes just named you as one of the top 10 key keynote speakers you must hire. And it's quite an honor to have that. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's cool. a really big honor. Yeah. And I, I used to joke around when I started speaking, I was the best, the top motivational speaker you've never heard of. And it's kind of <laughs> ruining, I got to rebrand myself because it's ruining it with all these uh, accolades. Uh, but the main thing is, I think I'm a good speaker because uh, I speak from my heart and I, I know what I'm speaking about. I practice it and I tr- it truly resonates and changes people's lives. It's amazing. And so I, I want to go back and look at you. You said early on you started out with technology, and, and, and I wanted to hear a little more. You, you know, you've worked with companies like Westlaw and Thomson Reuters and Accenture, and you had, you had some early days in the, in the technology world, correct? Yeah. So I actually, one of my favorite lessons to teach people is when I got out of law school, I had two job offers. One was to be an oil and gas litigator, and the other was to work in technology. And so my mom is my mentor. She's my hero. Raised six kids with no money single mom and and I went and asked her what I should do and she told me to be a real lawyer because this internet thing was a fad <laughs> so for the first time in my life I learned the lesson that just because someone loves you doesn't mean they give you good advice and so I was blessed because I actually did um, you know follow the technology route and I was uh, working for Westlaw which was tremendous and then I ended up being uh, the CEO of a company called PCE phone which was Samsung's first manufactured Windows CE device. So I got to meet Gates and work with you know everyone within the Windows and HP and Accenture. It, it, was, it was an amazing experience, and and of course it afforded me to have unlimited wealth uh, and gave me the best le- lesson of losing it all. And so I, you've obviously you've been able to watch the technology continue to emerge. You've been watched. You've seen some hiccups up and down over the years with that. With where we sit today, with whether it be blockchain or cryptocurrency or IoT or anything else that's going on out there with technology, because it's enabling everything we touch, autonomous vehicles, where, where do you see technology going, or where, 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 do you, where do you see this all leading to? It's leading to ubiquity, right? Like what people don't understand about information is all of these technologies already exist, and we just aren't capable or vibrating fast enough to access it. And so as we access what I consider ubiquitous information, meaning that instantaneous download that allows us to have an awareness to know whether we turn left or right, to know whether someone is vibrating at the same or equal to or greater than speed than we are. Uh, but it's leading to a ubiquitous society of equality uh, where we can share information, where we can empower each other. And I don't know how long it uh, will take because I don't live in a linear time frame like my, most human beings. I believe in oneness and I'm a little bit of a weirdo when it comes to time, more on Einstein uh, realm of things. Uh, but I truly believe it's leading us to a ubiquitous, equal society where we live at a higher vibration, a higher potential for everyone. Got it. So you, you got this technology background. You got over $2 billion in sports and entertainment contracts. You have gone on to speak. You've gone on to be an, to, to, to be an author and a humanitarian, and, and now there's this turn, maybe it's natural you're going to say, to this, this realm of entrepreneurship. Has that always just been there, or has it kind of been, what, what made you pull to say at this point, that's where you're going to focus on or do more with? You know what happened was, I think I've always been an entrepreneur, whether it was in a big company, 
uh, like West, you know, I was started their CD-ROM and then online division. And uh, then, of course, in the wireless proxy server space. And then even with the con- world's first convergence device, which is now a smartphone, I've always been an entrepreneur investing in all types of different things. But I think it really was the aspect of mentorship of entrepreneurship, meaning, you know, helping these young people understand that there's a difference between innovation and entrepreneurship, that any, there's a million great ideas out there, but how do you monetize it? And everyone should have three mentors at all times, uh, including me. And when I failed and when I had my biggest challenges, it was because I thought I knew everything. And, uh, you know, the older I get, the less I know. And I've always had now three mentors, people that sit in the position that I want to be in, whether it's TV shows or movies or writing books or speaking I've sought out the greatest minds and greatest talents to teach me what they knew so that I didn't have to pay the dummy tax. And uh, (laughs) on the other side of it, I don't want people to have to pay the dummy tax that I've paid. So I've decided to, you know, work with entrepreneurs, entrepreneur magazine, entrepreneur media, all the different platforms that I have now to inspire people and help them achieve and believe what they want. And I think I can truly accelerate that manifestation through my experience as an entrepreneur. So I, I, can't, I can't help but think that someone's going to say that sounds great because Dave can go ask anyone he wants to get a mentor. What, what's your advice for someone looking for a mentor? Where, where do you go to find one? How do you even decide who's the right person for you? Any advice around that? Yeah, so first of all, that comes up a lot, right? I, you know, I have a huge following now on social media and people are like, yeah, that's easy for you. Well, look, I grew up in Akron, Ohio, a single mom, not connected. I didn't go to USC. I went to Occidental College, 1,500 people. I don't have a huge network of people. And, and I was able to be a millionaire nine months out of law school. And I did it through asking the people around me for help that sat in the position, whether it was the dean of the law school or a professor or, you know, I, I, even when I wasn't that connected, I, I sought out. I went to Napoleon Hill Foundation when I went to go write my book. I didn't really know anybody uh, at the Napoleon Hill Foundation, but I went there and I said, my favorite book is Think and Grow Rich. And I want to write a book like Think and Grow Rich that is a combination of spiritual and pragmatic living, great business advice, but understanding how the body, mind, and soul work all in one. Can you help me? And they were gracious. In fact, I've now been you know, in the movie Think and Grow Rich. I just, there's the new Think and Grow Rich legacy book. They put me in that as well as my book being a number one bestseller, all because I asked people that have done it before how to do it, and then I followed their instructions. And so I call BS on all those people out there (laughs) that say you can't find it. Find the people in the position that you want. When I went and did my TV show, I went to the producer of Undercover Boss, because I love that show, and I asked him, can you produce this show? I asked the director of the Osborne, because I like that show, you know, I asked people that knew what they were doing and they taught me. And now I'm executive producer of the number one digital business show in the world because I asked for help. I didn't know anything about being an executive producer. And great, great advice. And definitely what I wanted to ask you next is you're the executive producer and host judge of Entrepreneur Media's newest original show called Elevator Pitch. And so as, as those of us who know what an elevator pitch is, I got, what, about 30 seconds to share with someone what, what I have going on, maybe 60 seconds. And if it's long yeah. enough, they may, they may invite me to talk a little bit longer. So tell us a little bit about what, what spurred the show, what the show's about. Well, you know, as I started mentoring entrepreneurs, I started realizing that they don't know how to stimulate interest. And so, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of Shark Tank. 
and I didn't like the way Shark Tank is scarce. And so I came up with the concept with uh, Entrepreneur Magazine, Bill Shaw, who's an executive producer, a genius. I said, hey, let's create an abundance show where we can mentor people, help them, you know, literally, you know, fulfill their dreams. And so, um, you know, we came up with the idea of 60 seconds in an elevator. (laughs) You go up 60 floors and you pitch to a camera and four judges get to listen to you. And then from there, we open the doors of the elevator, we send you back down. But even if we send you back down, we partnered with Indiegogo where they feature the contestant on and get crowdfunding for you and exposure awareness and profile building. So it's just a huge win. It's more in a shark tank with soul and everybody wins. And most importantly, we actually give lessons for the viewers. And I think that's why they like it so much is, you know, I get the top people to be the judges and there's so many lessons to learn every episode. And we've been extended out three more seasons. We're filming for you this year, and we're very, very excited about it. Congrats on that. That's, that's great. And if, for someone who wants to see it, if they go to entrepreneur.com, can they find it there? Yeah, entrepreneur.com. It is on uh, Amazon and Roku and all the others, but we love you to go through Amazon because there's a lot of great extra tidbits that you can learn there um, at the Entrepreneur site. That, that, that is absolutely awesome. And that's the elevator pitch. It's had over 21 million views in its first season. That is absolutely awesome. Well, I want to ask you that the show is called Be Investable. So I would be remiss if I, if I didn't ask you to, uh, what does that mean to you? So investable is actually something different to me. It it's, should be invaluable. I have something called the 120 rule. And the 120 rule is that my perspective is I'm not ready to ask for an investment or to help someone with an investment unless I feel like, you know, I have a, a bag every morning of $100 bills. And imagine you go out there and your job is to hand those $100 bills out. And in exchange, you need to ask people, can I have $20 back? And there's a certain energy to that, right? If I, mm-hmm. if I told you, hey, look, this is what I want you to do today. I want you to take this bag of 100 and trade them out for 20s. I don't think you'd have any problem doing that. And the interesting thing is that investable to me means that you, whatever it is you're looking for investment in, it's a bag of hundreds for you. And all you're really asking people is, can I trade it out for 20s? And so many people take a scarce, insecure, fear-based attitude towards raising money, and they're not all in. They don't believe they have a bag of hundreds. They feel like they have a bag of 20s and they're asking for hundreds. And that's why there's shortages, voids, and obstacles in the energy and the process of raising money. I couldn't agree more. That's why we have these shows to inspire and and inform entrepreneurs. There's got to be people that would be listening that would say, well, Dave, that's how I feel today. Any advice for those people that are out there saying, how do they get there? Is it just born or you don't have it? Can you go learn it? What the the school of hard knocks? How do you go about getting that comfortable? Or is that, is that a wake-up call? <laughs> no, it's simple. It's simple. Yeah. You should strive to develop your skills, attain the knowledge through experience and mentorship and practice, and have that persistent, consistent desire, the enjoyment of the pursuit of your potential. And so all of those things combined, the skills, the knowledge, and the desire are what make you know, a great entrepreneur and what make any 
makes anybody not only successful, but purposeful and happy. And it will enable you to accelerate the manifestation of whatever you want. It doesn't have to be money. It could be health. It could be relationships. All of those are at your disposal. Great. And, and the last question I want to ask you and leave you with is, you talked a little bit about this. You alluded to this about time. When, when people hear what you do and what you accomplish, is, does anyone ever say, do you ever sleep? <laughs> they do. So first rule of sleep is study it. You spend a third of your life sleeping, and so many people spend all their time worried about everything else, but yet they don't study sleep. Study sleep. Be an expert at it, and that will give you all the energy and time that you need as well as using things like my 520 rule, where every phone call to me, my goal is to keep it to five minutes. Every meeting, my goal is to keep it to 20 minutes. Obvious exceptions are family and other circumstances, but the majority of our phone calls and meetings can be spent in a much more efficient manner. And then beyond studying sleep and the 520 rule, then also you utilize the, the, uh, the being a student of your calendar. Uh, so many people, they wonder why they're inefficient and they don't have enough time, but they never look at their calendar. I study my calendar. It comes to life. When I put focus and intention on what I'm doing in the day, I'm only going to get better, and I'm only going to be able to attract exactly what I want out of that calendar. So those three things are the best piece of advice I can give you when it comes to time, and it, it, it becomes one. It's not linear, and that's how I'm able to achieve all the things I want to manifest. Believe it or not, I am happily married. I have four children. I spend uh, probably too much time with my teenage daughters that annoys them and a little, not enough probably with my seven-year-old son. But, uh, you know, I, I literally haven't been able to manifest a well-balanced, very purposeful existence. And most importantly, I've never been happier in my life. With that, Dave, I can't thank you enough for coming on the Be Investable podcast today. I, it's been a pleasure and an honor to get to speak with you. Oh, the feeling's mutual. I feel free anytime to come back on. Thank you so much. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Well, there you have it. The latest episode of the Be Investable podcast. Until next time, stay investable. In the meantime, check out our magazine by going to www.getinvestable.com forward slash magazine and subscribe for a free issue. Additionally, you can find more great content through our amazing media partners such as Cranes Business Detroit, Huffington Post, Michigan Business Network, Mishapreneur, Smart Hustle Magazine, and Startup Nation. Thanks again for tuning in, and we look forward to talking with you soon.